Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. So I called a friend who was in real estate and I said, you know, I want to give you this address. I want you to check out this home. It looks good to me. It's too expensive, but I'm drawn to it. Well, she calls me back and she said that house is owned by Dan and Donna Agra. And I went, stop. I know them. So I called up Dan and Donna, and I said, look, um, I'm going to find out how much I can afford. I'll just make you an offer. And uh, I make my offer. I get the call back. Okay, they'll accept it. We're just going to do an as-is deal. I had purchased it, and it was completely empty. Completely empty. I mean, there was a banquette in the kitchen, and that was it. And yet, I was at home. And I felt this sense of security and, and, and warmth. Because there'd been deferred maintenance in the house and I'd bought it as is, I spent a couple of months getting everything ready for the kids to move in. So I would go in the daytime and work on the house with the various people that were fixing things up. And one night I was really tired and so I decided to um, spend the night in the house. I had lit a fire. It was warming the room up a little bit and I was just thinking, I feel fantastic. What could be better? I said, the only thing that would make this better would be some great music. So I got up and opened up the refrigerator, which just had a couple of bottles of water. As I opened the refrigerator door, I hear, and my eyes go to the right, and I see that there's a CD radio mounted under the cabinet that I'd never seen before. Well, it was the CD player turning on by itself. The click whir was the tray of the CD player coming out. And there in the tray was a CD. Well, nothing to do but press the button. So I pushed the button, and this great blues cd started to play and there was my music and i thought that's great the room is filled and my heart is filled because my wish has been granted i kind of write it off curl up and go to sleep listening to this great rocking throbbing music <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's Nathan Withers here, documentary filmmaker for Buried Secrets Paranormal, and you are listening to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast with Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay.
Hey guys, Aaron here, and Britt is currently away, and it is Monday, December 14th, 2020, episode 246. How is everyone out there around the world doing? And man, it's always great to be back in the hot seat, and it looks like we have a vaccine for the U.S. now. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully everything goes according to plan. Other than that, there's not really anything else to mention, except for Christmas is upon us. My Christmas shopping has been done. I always go on Amazon myself. I like things being delivered right to my door. <laughs> it's more convenient that way. And I hope everyone out there is safe. And as always, thank you for joining us here at the RPA Network. The only announcement to mention is that uh, obviously tomorrow, Tuesday, a new show of Aaron's Horror Show will be coming out. And this Wednesday, there will not be a new episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. He's taking a week off. During these times, the Christmas season, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, all that good stuff. There's a lot of family time. So yeah, take the time off and enjoy yourself. And with that, we're going to do more listener stories. So let's get right down to the show. And you guys know what that means, right? Oh yeah, man, come on. Say it with me. Say it with me. To the story den. Follow me right this way. No pushing, no shoving. And the fires are blazing. Nice and toasty and warm in here. And you guys know the deal. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner. Find an empty spot on the floor. And as usual, get behind my desk here. Oh, get comfy. And I print off Bert's package. She's been sending them by email. Let's see what we got here. Oh. We have some long ones. We have a medium one. All right. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man, so good when it hits the lips. All right, let's see here. The first one. This one is by Amy, and it's titled, My House. Okay, Amy, let's see what you got, man. I would like to say I have really enjoyed listening to the stories here on RPA, so I decided to share my own. When I was about 12, my parents and I moved into a new house in a new town. Apparently, the previous owner was an old man that died in the house. So, it's possible he was our presence. Odd things would happen. It began when I started to hear footsteps going up and down the hallway at night. You could also hear hammering and things being dragged around in the attic. Of course, the attic noises very well could have been local wildlife breaking in. My parents heard things, too, and we always knew something was up. Lights would turn off and on by themselves, and the TV would change stations while you were watching it. It was kind of amusing because the TV would always change back to the same channel as if someone else was watching something and was not amused that we tried to change his station. Things would also go missing and reappear later. When I got older, I used to sell things online with my mother. We often sold a lot of books. One day, I snagged a couple of good titles, and put them up in alphabetical order and sold them the very next day. When I went to retrieve the books for shipment, they were gone. I checked behind the shelves to make sure they hadn't somehow fallen behind the shelf. When they weren't there, I scanned all the shelves to make sure I hadn't misplaced them. Of course, I had just put them up the day before, 
So it wasn't like it had been a while and I had forgotten where I put them. After searching for over an hour, I was disappointed and had to cancel the sale. A couple of days later, the books were back, right on the shelf where I had originally put them. Of course, this time, they were laid on top of the books, not in order as all the others were. It was as if someone were playing with me. One night, my father went out of town for work, so my mother asked me to watch a movie with her in her room. We watched the movie, and I fell asleep in her room. She said she woke up in the middle of the night and looked over at me and saw an elderly gentleman sitting on the foot of the bed looking at me. He looked up at her, stared at her for a few seconds, got up and walked towards the closet and faded away. She didn't feel any threat at all. She said it felt more like a grandfather watching over me. After I moved out, I came over to visit one day. We were all standing in the dining room talking about how we hadn't heard from our friend in a while. Just as we said this, the TV came on and started switching channels. It was as if he was saying, Hey, I'm still here. I suppose he eventually became comfortable with us living in his house and accepted us. But who really knows? And that was from Amy. Amy, great story. Loved it. Yeah, we get these every once in a while. Not too many, though. You know, seeing an apparition is pretty rare. Um, only thing I can say is, you know, good thing he's a, he sounds like a good guy. Hoover he is, right? Doesn't mind you guys being there and maybe playing a, a few pranks here and there. But uh, I always think about this to myself. You know, your mother woke up in the middle of the night. I don't know what I would do if I saw something, you know, some person sitting on the edge of my bed. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Of course, I would probably have woken up from a dead sleep, so I'm groggy, right? I probably would have done the same thing, just stared at him or it and, you know, kind of rub my eyes thinking to myself, am I seeing things? Am I still asleep? That sort of thing. Yeah. Then again, I might have reached over and grabbed my baseball bat. I always carry, I, I always have a baseball bat next to my bed. Uh, you know, you never know. <laughs> All right, Amy. Hey, thank you very much for sharing. Great story. Yeah, yeah. What would you guys do if you woke up in the middle of the night and saw something, a person, right, in your room? Maybe not sitting at the edge of your bed, but maybe in the corner, or maybe walking around. Yeah, spooky stuff if you think about it. All right, what's next? This one is by Shauna, and it's titled The Visit. Okay, Shauna, let's see what you got, man. My grandmother passed away in September of 1992. I was born in October of 1992. My mom told me we grandchildren would have called her Mama instead of Grandma. My mom told me when I was a couple months old, we lived in the house my grandmother passed away in. My mom would hear creaks, doors slamming, and hear me talking away when she put me down for a nap or bed. She would hear me giggling and talking away, and she thought, eh, Mama's home. 
She always said it was my grandmother talking to me and making faces at me when I was alone. My parents then moved out of the house and got their own. I was 12, and we had this old wooden rocking chair that used to be my grandmother's. It was her knitting chair. I had a dream, a very real dream of sitting in a room on the couch while my grandmother sat across me in the rocking chair. We talked about how I was doing and so on. She told me, keep your head up. Life gives you struggles, but you have the power to plow through them. It stayed with me for the longest time. Now, because every time I told my parents I heard or saw something, they told me it was my imagination. My mom got rid of the rocking chair since it was too old and was broken. My mom got her own rocking chair and was sitting in it, knitting one day. I saw out of the corner of my eye my mom jolt out of the chair and she screamed, dropping her knitting. I asked her what was wrong and she said she swore she heard her mom yell in her ear, you're stitching it wrong. My mom's deaf in her left ear and she was holding the left side of her head as if a bomb had gone off on that side of her head. My mom, brother and I went to the graveyard to pay our respects to our grandmother. My mom brought some flowers to plant at her stone and she was crying saying, Mom, I wish you could have met my kids. I'm sorry. I saw my grandmother standing beside her smiling and she whispered, I'm sorry too. I haven't told my mom any of this because I don't want to break her heart and make her upset, but at least I know that my grandmother is sorry for whatever she had done and she forgives my mom, and my mom forgives her. When I was 17, my grandfather passed away. At the funeral, all the grandchildren were given a white rose to put on the casket. I kept mine. I refused to put mine on the casket and walk away. My grandfather and I were so close, I wasn't ready to let him go. My son was born December 2013, and now I hear him giggling and talking to himself. I honestly believe my grandparents are visiting him. That makes me happy. Thank you for reading. And that's from Shauna. Shauna, thank you very much for sharing that. That's a feel-good story, and it's not that unique. You know, we keep on getting stories like this of uh, past loved ones, you know, coming by to visit. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, your mother and your grandmother are forgiving each other for whatever happened in the past. Yeah, it's a good story. Uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, we get those all the time, guys. All right, what's next? What do we got? Oh, before I start the next story, you know, I was just thinking about, uh, you remember the first story? Whereas, I don't know what I would do if I woke up and, you know finding somebody in my room <laughs> well you know there was a time when long long ago I was working with my brother my brother owns a construction company he does commercial jobs and I was working on a site uh, with him and we went to another contractor's house uh, in the afternoon sometime it was his buddy and we needed uh, some tools and so we go there and his wife is there and his wife says he's in the living room you know, taking a nap. He's on the couch. And me and my brother, we we look so much alike. And so his wife likes to pull pranks on his on her husband. And she said, hey, why don't you go in there and wake him up and see what he thinks? 
I said, okay. So, you know, they stood there in the doorway leading into the living room. I go into the living room. He's there, you know, snoring away on the couch on his back. And I just lean, I just stand over him, staring at him. And so I poke him. And he didn't, you know, he didn't wake up, so I poke him again. And then the third time I poked him, he opened up his eyes. He stopped snoring, and he just stares at me. And all he says was, who are you? <laughs> so I guess, you know, if you were to wake up, a stranger is, you know, uh, like the first story is an apparition sitting at the edge of your bed. Yeah, I guess that you would you just be staring, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, enough of my ramblings. Uh, this one is by Johnny, and it's titled Nashville House. Okay, Johnny, let's see what you got, man. I spent the first 10 years of my life in Louisiana, but just before my actual 10th birthday, my family moved to Nashville, Tennessee for my father's work. He works in the music industry as a sound engineer and songwriter while my mother got a job as a nurse in a nearby hospital. It was a tough move for all of us, as we had spent years living with my grandparents, Joshua and Marlena. But we were also happy in a way to have our own first home that our parents could decorate as they saw fit and us kids could finally have our own space. And best of all, a swimming pool. We also got our first dogs at that time, Danny, a collie, and Schultz, a German Shepherd. We moved into the house in June of 1975. It was a lovely two-story wood and brick house built in the 1950s, and we were its third family. It had an attic, a finished basement, a four-car garage, and a carport, and the beloved swimming pool. The yard was large with lots of trees that were a good climbing size, much to my joy and my parents' horror. The house, too, was fairly good-sized. It had five bedrooms and two bathrooms spread over two floors. The parents were downstairs and kids were upstairs, which meant my brothers, Luke and Justice, and I had our own rooms. And our parents had their own room and own bathroom. The house had an odd layout. And I'll let you know so you get an idea. The ground floor, as soon as you go in the front door, you were in the lounge room, and through the lounge was the dining room. You turn left, and through the door was the kitchen, and another door to the outside. If you went back to the lounge and went straight ahead, there was a hall that led to my parents' rooms, a sitting music room where our piano was, the laundry, and the stairs. Upstairs, a long hall that all our bedrooms led off of, and at the end of the hall, a staircase that led to the attic. To get to the basement, you had to go outside in the yard and open the big double storm doors and go down the steps. There was no inside stairs to it. Now for the ghosts. Number one, a lady in her 50s in a long dress, very 60s style, with hair and a ponytail would often be seen walking from the kitchen to the front door and then back again. Then she would just vanish into thin air. The first time my mom saw her, she thought it was my dad's Aunt Sylvia who was due to arrive for a visit. But when she spoke to the lady, the lady didn't even look up and just vanished. 
Needless to say, my mom waited outside for us kids to get back from summer vacation activities at the local YMCA. We soon got used to her, though, and named the ghost Nellie. Number two, an old man was seen often in the car garage and shed, mostly seen by my dad, who often worked on his cars in there. The guy thought to be the first owner was seen watching us and my father working from various locations in the shed and carport. He never did anything but watched. He supposedly died in the house in the late 50s from a heart attack and was fond of working in the garage. Number three, two boys in their late teens would be seen working on what looked like some kind of project in the basement. Sometimes they would be talking to each other. Other times, you would just hear the tools they were using. My father kept all his tools in the garage, so there was no tools to be used in the basement. We have no idea who they were or why they were there. Number four. Our dogs, both boys, would often watch and sometimes chase objects that we couldn't see. One time, Schultz was running up the hall towards the music room after something none of us could see, and the door to the music room shut suddenly, making him run head on into it. No one was around close enough to shut the door, but it shut, and poor Schultz got a hard knock to the head and required six stitches to close the wound. After that, the dogs were more reluctant to chase whatever it was they had been chasing. I lived in the house until I went to college at University of Tennessee. After spending a year in Europe before getting my own place back in Nashville, a one-bedroom apartment, my brothers and sisters lived there until they went away for school. My parents lived there until my dad died in 1998 from a heart attack at work, and my mom sold the place in 1999. By then, I was living in Hendersonville, Tennessee, so my mom moved to a house just down the road from me. We have no idea who lives in that house now. The family who bought it from mom were called Finning, but they moved out after a year. It's had a few owners since. A pity, really, that it seems to scare people off. It would make a good family home for someone, like it did for us. But I guess some people really do get frightened by the extra people in the house. Love the podcast. And that's from Johnny. <laughs> oh, man, Johnny, great story, man. Yeah, you know, every, every once in a while we'll get this, and I've read this sort of thing before that, you know, some people just don't mind living in a haunted house. And, of course, in this case, uh, there's not really anything, you know, bothering you. You got, you know, it sounds like some residual haunting with the lady walking back and forth in the lounge and got the old man in the in the garage area and all he does he just watches <laughs> right and then the dogs are chasing something which unfortunately they got themselves hurt at one point in time but yeah you know um some people just don't mind that sort of thing which uh i suppose if uh if it was this sort of thing just hardly you know maybe a few pranks here and there you know, nothing really scary. I suppose I wouldn't mind having a, you know, an, a haunted house either. It'd be kind of neat if you really think about it. Yeah, Johnny, thank you very much for uh, sharing. And 
Well, that's it. That's all the stories that was in uh, Bert's packet, the email. And as always, guys, Christmas is upon us, and I hope everyone's doing well and safe out there. The vaccine is here. And remember, there is no new episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments for this Wednesday. And as always, you can always listen to the RPA Network on all the other audio platforms out there, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. Or you can just go to realparanormalactivity.com or you can just download the free RPA app. Just do a search for Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast in your app store and download it for free today. Stream anytime, anywhere. And with that, I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Britta, and is also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh, yeah, we do. As always, thank you and good night.